Welcome to episode 19. Uh, we have a special uh, edition for you today. We got to interview the one and only Joe Bob Briggs. Um, he was way better than we could have ever imagined. Um, when we started this podcast, we had a list of guests, just like dream guests, and he was in the top five. I mean, it was just, you know, if you're like me or other people on this podcast, you know, we spent a lot of weekends um staying home watching monster vision or a little bit before that on, on t, uh, the movie channel. Uh, so it was just incredible to get a chance to talk to him. But, uh, this week, July 13th, he'll be returning for the last drive in with Joe Bob Briggs, uh, on shutter. Um, if you don't have shutter, just Google it. There's a free seven day trial pretty much everywhere you look. Um, if you do have it, you know, it's five bucks and it's probably one of the best values as far as streaming goes. Um, so they're bringing back the full show. Um, He'll have, you know, his totals and um, he's got the male girl who is Diana Prince, who, of course, was a co-host on our show not too long ago. Hello. Hello. Um, so because of because of the interview, we're going to kind of cut it the front end of it short. Um, I will say uh, Kayla and I were at uh, Hypericon this past weekend in Nashville. Um, that is a pop culture con, uh, a lot of cosplay. Um you know, different panels, all kinds of stuff like that. There was horror involved with it as well. And we got to talk on a panel about horror journalism. And we met a couple people that were pretty cool, so we just were going to shout them out before we get into the interview because that's what we do here. Um, Luke and Jacob, Modern Horrors, it was really cool to hang out with those guys, finally put names with uh, faces and stuff like that. Um, they were at our panel. We went to their panel. Very cool dudes. Um, if you're looking for up-to-date, uh, you know, any kind of news related to brand new horror, hence the name Modern, that is the resource. Um, they they love brand new stuff. They love indie stuff. They love foreign horror movies. I mean, they, anything that you want that maybe is not only up to the you know up to the minute, but also out of the little the Hollywood sphere a little bit. Modernhorrors.com is the place. Um, Tennessee Horror News was on the panel with us, of course. They're friends of ours, so it was cool hanging out with them. Um, we got to meet uh, Tell of Two Geeks, who is a husband and wife podcast. Um, they do more of a pop culture um, podcast, but they, they, they love horror, and they were at our panel, so that was cool to meet those guys. Uh, we met Matt from Zombies in My Blog, and we actually went and ate Jack in the Box, um, so it was pretty, pretty rad. Um, his website, zombiesinmyblog.com. Um, I think if you go on Instagram and Twitter and search for that, it, he'll pop up. Um, and then Mr. Dan Lee is the gentleman that invited us to the panel. And uh, he's written for a lot of people. Uh, he's got his own blog. Um, he freelances. Um, so he's, he's been involved with a lot of different things. Um, if you go on Instagram, it's D-O-D-T-D. So it stands for Day of the Dan. So D-O-T-D blog. So D-O-T-D blog, if you'll type that into Instagram, that'll pull him up. Um, so all those all those people were really cool. Um, some of those things you really don't know what you're going to get. You know, it could be disorganized or it could be, you know, really well organized, but then you're slammed with too many people or just you never really know what's going to happen. So it was a fun event. We had fun with it. And, um, you know, maybe something we do again next year. So we'll see. Um, from there, though, uh, when we return for episode 20, uh, we should have things back to normal. Um, normal topic, normal format. Uh, we'll have all of our hosts with us. Um, and from there, I don't want to take any more time up, but we're going to go right into our interview with Mr. Joe Bob Briggs. So we'll get to that after the break. <laughs> Okay, so today we have a special guest with us. Um, I, for one, am beyond excited. Uh, if you've listened to our show, I've mentioned this gentleman several times. I've mentioned Monster Vision several times. Um, you know, the fact that we're going to get to pick his brain for a little bit is just, you know, I'm, I'm kind of beside myself. But unless, you, <laughs> unless you've lived under a rock for the last couple weeks, uh, you know, the uh, shutter. We'll be doing uh, the last drive-in uh, this Friday the 13th. Um, you have to watch it on their live feed. Not It's not on demand. So um, 
this is being labeled as the last last one of these. So this is the you know riding off into the sunset. Um, but here to talk a little bit about that and some other stuff with us is the one and only Mr. Joe Bob Briggs. Hello. Hey, glad glad to be with you guys. Yeah. Are you guys Thank in Nashville? You. We are. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. So the okay. first question ties you to that. Um, tell us a little bit, you know, about your background specifically. You know, how did you go from Texas to Arkansas, and then of course you attended Vanderbilt, which is right in our neck of the woods. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, yeah, I'm. I was. I was born in Texas. Uh, you know, Calvin Trillin says you're from wherever you go to high school. So go. I went to high school in Little Rock, Arkansas. And then um, Vanderbilt, I, I never could have afforded to go to Vanderbilt. But they have this one scholarship. This is one of a kind. It's a sports writing scholarship. And they have a competition every year. And the, and the whoever wins the, whatever high school senior wins the sports writing competition gets this full scholarship to Vanderbilt. And so that's how I ended up at Vanderbilt. I was going to go to a little, uh, a little, uh, um, you know, one horse college in Arkansas. But, um, so I, I ended up at, at Vanderbilt and worked on the paper there. And, um, we, uh, uh, I, I, I have very fond, uh, memories of, of Nashville, mostly of, escaping you know they have high walls around Vanderbilt (laughs) it's it's not exactly integrated into the community and so uh, my friends and I we were into the the um, Grand Ole Opry the old Grand Ole Opry the the good one back when it was at Ryman Auditorium you know Mm -hmm. and we would go down there every Saturday night and uh, hang out in the alley behind it and um, uh, and uh, uh, get in trouble and um, uh, and um, we 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 definitely explored everything there is to explore in Nashville um, and all the way down to Murfreesboro because we that's where we printed our paper twice a week. So uh, so yeah, I have lots lots of stories that I can't tell uh, about. <laughs> And then when I and then my first job out of college was working for the Tennessee legislature back when it was the most corrupt legislature in America. Oh wow! (laughs) And Ray Blanton was the governor. I don't know if he ever went to prison or not. I think he got (laughs) indicted, but but uh, so I was was like a patronage appointee in the in this corrupt legislature. You know, it's like one of my jobs was was to. take the, the out-of-town out of legislators down to Printer's Alley and make sure they were entertained while they were in town. So. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> well, uh, an extension of that, when, when was the last time you were in Nashville? Um, I was in Nashville. Uh, I, did a, um, I did a pilot for the uh, 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 country music television. We did a uh, we did a pilot that they didn't pick up. And so, uh, I, I was there to, uh, to shoot that thing. You know, they, 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 uh, they're in one of those big high rises downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, uh, and it was me and four, four, I was the host and it was kind of a fake news, uh, show. And, and it was me and four comedians and, um, I guess we weren't funny enough because <laughs> we never got it on the air. So. Well, I bet I bet it's a lot. Uh, lots changed since since you were a student here. Uh, you know what they? That's what everyone always says. They say, "Oh, you won't recognize it. Oh, you won't recognize it." And then I go back, and everything's still there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I totally recognize it. You know, it's like yeah. uh, the beer. The beer places are still there. The diners are still there. <laughs> you know, the places I hung out, they're still there. They're, they're, you know, that didn't change that much. So, yeah, yeah. I, I guess and then the, yeah, Skull's Rainbow Room down in uh, Printer's Alley. So that's uh, yeah, that's yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Those yeah. bars are still. I mean, I guess you know. Ryman, I don't know what they do with Ryman now, but but um, but the but the uh, uh, although I, I have to say when I was when I was in there down there for that um, for that pilot, uh, 
um, the the uh, the uh, Broadway seemed kind of hipsterish. It had it had oh, it, yes. had, evolved, oh, yes. it <laughs> had evolved way beyond Ernest Tubbs' record shop. You know? yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. We no. try, well, I myself kind of avoid that area, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, unless you're in yeah. a bachelorette party, yeah. you may not find yourself down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it had definitely exactly. become a, a sort of... Uh, Sort of a wannabe Bourbon Street, but yeah. you know, with a lot of with a lot of uh, of um, you know people that are drunk that shouldn't be. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we're gonna go back a little bit farther and talk about um, the earlier days, uh, like what your favorite movies were, um, and did you go to the drive-in theater as a child, and did you yeah. love horror movies? Perfect. Yeah. Um, Someone asked me the other day what what was the first horror movie I could remember, and the only one I could come up with is um, uh, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. I remember seeing that when I was really, really young. You know, I probably shouldn't have even been allowed in the theater to see that. And it created this intense fear of Betty Davis for the rest of, <laughs> for the rest of her life. So... It didn't, it didn't matter like what she was in. She could be in a comedy, and I would be in terror. Mm-hmm. You know? just, oh, that's just her face would make me would make me hide under the bed, you know. Yeah. And so, um, but I remember that, and uh, my parents loved the drive-in, and they would go to the drive-in, and I had two sisters, younger sisters, and so we would be in the back seat in our pajamas, and the the, the of course the parents' goal in taking us to the drive-in is. They would wear us out, and we would fall asleep. And they especially wanted us to fall asleep prior to the second movie, which was always the adult movie yep. at the drive-in. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it wasn't anything, you know, that today we would regard as uh, even racy, you know. But at the time, it was considered, you know, children shouldn't see it. So our goal was to try to stay up, stay awake. <laughs> So we could see that second movie. My sisters <laughs> never make, you know, but I would occasionally make it to see, you know, the sexy second movie. And um, so I, I, I have, I do have fond memories of the drive-in, um, uh, both in uh, Texas and in Arkansas uh, when I was growing up. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, do you have? What would you say is your favorite horror movie of all time? Do you have one? Oh, yeah, that's definitely um, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, because, awesome. uh, you know, from the first time I saw it, um, I actually saw that in an indoor theater the first time. And um, there were people, I don't know if you remember the um, the very beginning of it. There's a, there's a text crawl and a voiceover narration mm-hmm. and a little scene in a cemetery. Yeah. And... Just from the text crawl and the voiceover and the little scene in the cemetery with John Henry Falk in, the, in that scene, um, uh, people were, were, were walking out. <laughs> they were walking out out of fear. Mm-hmm. They were leaving out of fear just because the title, the sound. Uh, Toby Hooper put a bunch of weird uh, sounds and these flash images, these subliminal images in that beginning uh, sequence. Uh, I mean, they're really just like, the images are like just three frames, uh, you know, uh, six images a second. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you, 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 <laughs> you get creeped out and you don't know exactly why. And, and the title at the time when it first came out was just considered so over the top that people were terrified even before they knew what the movie was about. Plus, everybody <laughs> in Texas, people still send me uh, uh, emails saying, uh, I, uh, I live in the place where the real Texas Chainsaw Killer, (laughs) 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 you know, and, and, and it can be anywhere. It can be, it can be in Kansas, it can be in Colorado. And, (laughs) and so the fact that everyone, uh, I, I don't know if you could get away with this today, but people thought it was kind of a documentary that it was based on um, a real thing. I mean, it wasn't based on a real thing. I, I, uh, Kim Hankel, the screenwriter, is a friend of mine, 
I've, I've talked to him extensively about it. Uh, he did use uh, uh, aspects of real serial killers, uh, especially one named Elmer Wayne Henley, who, who was a, um, a fam- uh, fam- it was a famous Texas case, um, and Dean Coral. Dean Coral and Elmer Wayne Henley were these two guys who uh, buried uh, young boys in their backyard. But, um, uh, and, and then of course he used Ed Gein or Ed Gain. I don't know how you're supposed to say it. Um, you know, the, uh, the, uh, Plainfield, Wisconsin, um, guy who is the basis for Psycho and a lot of other movies. He he did use that story. Mm -hmm. Uh, Toby Hooper actually had relatives in Plainfield, Wisconsin. So that makes, makes sense. Mm -hmm. But, uh, uh, but no, I mean, it was a completely made up story and obviously it's over the top and it has all that comedy in it. And, it's, you know, uh, I, so I don't know how, why people would, uh, <laughs> there's also, I also get pictures of the, of the house. This is the real house where it happened. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, the, the house where they filmed it is now a restaurant at a, a uh, little redneck lake resort in uh, the hill country of Texas. I forget the name of the town. It's uh, Kingsland, I think, is where it is. Oh, that's but cool. uh, you can go have dinner in that house if you want to. Oh yeah, I think I've read about that. You can get some barbecue. And... <laughs> <Yeah>. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, the, the first few years that they had the house, you know, they I guess they bought the house and moved it to Kingsland, but they just moved it because they wanted the building. They didn't really movie because they were fans of the movie and they disguised the fact that it was <laughs> that it was part of the movie then they found out people were people had figured it out anyway and they were going there to eat just to eat so they could say they ate in the texas chainsaw house and i guess the the the, the owners decided well this is not so bad you know people are driving a hundred miles to eat here we'll, we'll go ahead and admit that this is the house where they filmed the uh filmed the movie yeah, I think that's hilarious. You can pretend you're eating humans, I guess. <laughs> hey, that's fun. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, and I'll ask you a question kind of for the fans to get a little background. Um, after college, you worked at Texas Monthly in the Dallas Ta- Times-Herald, and this is where you created Joe Bob Bricks. <laughs> this is yeah. where you became Joe Bob. And how did Joe Bob come about? And was it just like a persona for reviewing movies at the time, or um, kind of how did that come about? The way it came about is I was always a movie fan, but I never really aspired to be a movie critic. I was a I was I was working at the Dallas Times Herald, and I was an investigative reporter. And because I was an investigative reporter, they were constantly having me run off, you know, go to South Texas and report on this. Oh, a bunch of Mexicans got killed by police in Houston. Go down and write about that. You know, whatever whatever was the big thing. I was, they were having me uh, go out of town all the time. And I was trying to finish a book, a true crime book, that um, it's actually one of the few things I've written that I'm kind of proud of. <laughs> it's, okay. it's called Evidence of Love. It's a, it's a true crime book. The, 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 the book buying public did not agree. They did not, <laughs> they did not, <laughs> they did not turn out to, to, to buy many copies of Evidence of Love. But anyway, I was trying to, I was trying to um, finish this book and I couldn't finish it because I, I had to run off, you know, and do these jobs all the time. And so I, I, I uh, the, the entertainment editor was a friend of mine, told me that uh, she'd lost her film critic and she was looking for a new film critic and said, let me do that job, you know, just temporarily mm-hmm. so that I can stay in town. And she said, well, you know, you have to, you, you know, you have to review every movie that comes out, right? And I said, well, that's okay. I mean, how many of them are there? And she says, there's a lot. but they screen them for you you know they screen them on tuesday or whatever and so um so i started doing it and boy was she right man the mainstream hollywood crap that i had to review you know (laughs) at at the time a lot of it starred dudley moore 
You know, I just remember, oh, nice. I just remember hating Dudley Moore. You know, he's just in everything. And, uh, Donald Sutherland and Dudley Moore, they were in every movie. And so, and so, uh, and so I, but I discovered the two types of movies that I, that I really, really liked were the weird foreign films, because think about it. I'm in Dallas, Texas. There's 10,000 foreign films a year. One a week makes it to Dallas, Texas. That's probably going to be a pretty damn good film. And so, and so I, 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 I developed a friendship uh, with um, the guy who ran the local indie theater, and we did film festivals together. Um, he's now head of uh, Amazon Films, as a matter of fact. He's head of the um, their theatrical film division. Their, their you know original film division. But um, uh, so anyway, um, the other kind of film that I liked were films that only showed at the drive-in. And I was like, what, you know, and they weren't ever screened for the critics. So I'd call up the distributor and say, hey, you know that movie you had, Swinging Barmaids, that came out on Friday? You know, Graveyard Tramps, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like, uh, you didn't screen it. You know, I wasn't able to review it, you know. They say, well, we never screen our films for critics. And so I said, okay. And so I started going to the drive-in every Friday night. Sometimes I'd hit two or three drive-ins, try to review everything that was new. And um, I discovered that there was a prejudice against exploitation films that was so deeply rooted that they were really considered pornography and they were considered disposable trash and so the mainstream media just didn't review them at all. And they really didn't want me to review them. And so I told the uh, uh, weekend editor, I said, look, I'm going to create this uh, thing. It's called uh, Joe Bob Goes to the Drive-In. And it's a populist film critic. Mm-hmm. And I like the things that the people like. You know, that's the whole concept. That's it. And he says, well, what, what do you need me for? And I said, I need you to hide it in the paper so that the uh, editors, editors don't really read their paper. They just look at the front. You know? <laughs> and so I said, I said, I need you to hide it so I can get it started uh, and, and so the editors won't see it, uh, you know, for a few weeks. And so he says, fine, I got just the place. And it was like page 34 in the weekend guide and it was next to a bunch of greasy discount furniture ads and, and, and there was yeah. nothing else back there. And so I started reviewing, um, uh, what I call drive, what I call drive-in films, exploitation films. And the guy who helped me a lot and loved the column from day one was Roger Corman, yeah. the legendary producer who at the time was running a company called New World Pictures. And uh, Roger and I had many conversations about the elements that he puts into a movie. I don't know if you've ever seen an interview with Roger. He's a very uh, uh, intelligent and elegant man. And um, uh, he would say... Uh, I say, uh, Roger, uh, how many naked girls do you need? You know, <laughs> and he would say, "That's very interesting that you should ask that question, Joe Bob, because the answer is that you need three. You need precisely three. Um, the lead actress must be nude from the waist up." in two scenes, one near the beginning of the film and one near the end of the film. The other two supporting actresses must be nude in one scene apiece. Those four scenes will make the viewer believe that he has seen a lot more than he has actually seen. (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) And so that was his concept. He would say things like, the ideal of a film, Joe Bob, is 82 minutes. And the reason for that is that if the film runs 83 minutes, you then need five film cans to transport it as opposed to four film cans. Therefore, 
your shipping costs increased by a factor of 20%. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> That's so awesome. Amazing. And so from talking to Roger, um, I developed the drive-in totals, you know? Oh, yes. Uh, love love uh, it. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so, you know, dead bodies, number of breasts, uh, <laughs> yes. uh, number of motor vehicle chases. And I said, Roger, you put all these motor vehicle chases in your movies. You know, isn't that expensive? And he says, Joe Bob, you would be surprised at how cheaply you can buy a car that you are intending to destroy the following day. (laughs) 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 And so, uh, um, anyway, the, uh, the column was, uh, the column became popular right away. And, uh, the, the ruse worked, uh, by the time the top editor at the paper realized it was in the paper, uh, it was fairly well established and had a following. And so it was difficult to, he still could have killed it if he wanted to, but um, it, it stayed in. It was controversial because these movies were not considered worthy of review. Mm. And, and so uh, there was only two guys in the country that were reviewing these movies, me and a guy in New York named Bill Landis, who went to Times Square every day and uh, reviewed the movies on 42nd Street. And he didn't just review the movie. He, he did a column that was similar to mine in that he reviewed what was going on at, at the theater, not just the movie itself. And so a um, very entertaining guy uh, who wrote a, a, a fanzine called Sleazoid Express. So Sleazoid Express covered the grindhouse, and I covered the drive-ins of the Deep South, and between us, we were the whole, we, we were the complete press <laughs> exploitation films. And, you know, today, if a horror film comes out or a sci-fi film or even, you know, even the cheapest horror film comes out, you know, there's a thousand reviews the, the next right. day on the Internet. Yes. Uh, so people people don't realize there was a time when, uh, when uh, you really couldn't get information on these films. And so... That's a long answer. That's that is a long answer. <laughs> that's, that's a great answer. Yeah, uh, an extension of that. Did you have a favorite monster movie host um, in your younger days? That you Not real. Um, uh, there was a guy. Um, uh, there was a guy in Dallas uh, named Icky Twerp. <laughs> <laughs> who was, who was the afternoon movie host, um, I think on Channel 11. I can't, I can't remember. But um, he would do th- he would host things like Three Stooges marathons and things like that. He really wasn't a late-night horror host, but um, mm-hmm. I, I loved that guy. And then I briefly lived in uh, Texarkana, and there was a guy who had a show like that called Captain Tall Tower. Hmm. <laughs> and... <laughs> Captain Tall Tower was on KTAL, hence, you know, Tall Tower. Um, and and uh, uh, he did weird things, you know, weird, crazy stunts on his show. I learned in later years, and I did, certainly didn't know this until actually very recently, that that guy, Captain Tall Tower, was Charles Pierce Jr., <laughs> the uh, director-producer who made The Legend of Boggy Creek and... Uh, <laughs> The town that dreaded sundown. Oh wow! Um, awesome. The sort of the only Arkansas exploitation classics. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, there were the, there were these guys everywhere. And then after I b- became a host myself, I worked with John Zachary uh, many times. I mean, maybe five times. And John Zachary, in my opinion, is the ultimate. The, he's the original. He's the original host, original late night host. And I'm actually going to do a tribute to him during the Shutter uh, Marathon because he died about 18 months ago. And uh, I, I feel like he didn't really quite get his due. And so uh, I'm going to do a John Zachary tribute. And then everyone in California is going to yell at me and they're going to say, What about Vampira? Mm-hmm. What about <laughs> Vampira was first. 
And I was like, well, yeah, Vampira was like a Las Vegas showgirl who just sort of like, it was all about the dress that she wore and, <laughs> yeah. and the yeah. goth makeup. I mean, it's like she didn't really do anything. You know, it's like, uh, I don't call that being a host. You know? Right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> So she was she was great at what she did, you know. But she was basically, you know, a party girl. So, um, so but John Zachary was the first to like he did, he was the first to do a lot of special effects where he would like put himself in the movie. <laughs> and, and, oh, that's so funny. Uh, yeah. Uh, so um, uh, anyway, great guy, you know. Uh, I love character actors. Uh, it's it's uh, and um, he would he would always say to me, um, he would say, Joe Bob, when you become unpopular, lower your fee. Don't keep your fee up high. When you become, <laughs> you're going to come back, you know, and then you can raise your fee again. <laughs> so <laughs> you've taken every job you've ever been offered, haven't you? And he said, yeah. "Yes, I have." <laughs> no shame in that. No. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to have to look up some of his stuff because I'm curious now. Um, but when my my dad was young, his favorite was Savad, which was a guy that did it like in Memphis. But he would dress up like a vampire. So yeah. <laughs> there were quite I... a few of the vampire guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, often the guy who did the the horror hosting or the or the movie hosting at those in, in the early days of TV would be it would be just be somebody you know, might be the sales guy in the office. <laughs> you know, yeah. say, would you put would you put on a, a zoot suit and do this and and they would say yeah I'll, I'll give it a shot and so there were a lot of guys like that and there was um when we had a I had a big um a horror host reunion show uh when I was at the movie channel and uh we brought back this guy Goulardi and Goulardi had been the host in uh, Cleveland um uh, and he got fired for <laughs> for telling kids to do mean stuff to their parents. <laughs> I forget exactly what he told them to do, but it, it involved fire or something. You know, it was, it was just something, something incredibly dangerous and and irresponsible. So anyway, he got fired, and uh, he went out to L.A. and he became uh, the voice of ABC for the rest of his life. Uh, wow. he was, he was the ABC network announcer. Um, uh, people of a certain age will remember the promo for the love boat. <laughs> that, <laughs> yep. that was Ernie Anderson, better known as Goulardi. And so he, I, I wanted, I wanted to have Goulardi on my show and he hadn't put on the makeup for, he was kind of, he was a vampire beatnik. Oh. That's what made it fun. <laughs> Love it. And so, and so um, he hadn't put on the makeup for years. And so I said, uh, Ernie, you know, please come on my show. And he was real hesitant to do it. And then when he got there, he was like totally nervous. And he had the jitters and he was like afraid he was going to flop and everything. And and um, and he was great. He was just wonderful. And uh, uh, and that was his last TV appearance. Uh, <laughs> But um, uh, there were there were there there were several of those guys who who you know each had their own style, and um, you know in addition to more famous ones like Elvira and and uh, Ron Undershear and oh the other guy I had on was uh, Un Uncle Floyd remember <laughs> Uncle Floyd <laughs> on SCTV uh, I think oh, yeah. I've heard of Uncle Floyd yeah. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't a real movie host, but he 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 did a great uh, bit uh, <laughs> as a fake movie host, and, and I, I had him on the show too. He was great. Um, what, what was it like to stand out so much in comparison to all of the vampires and mad scientists? To be Joe Bob, so different from all of the other hosts that came before. Well, I just. Uh, my my feeling was um, I wanted to always make the show about the movies 
uh, and make the stunts uh, secondary. Mm. Um, and so even though we did goofy stuff and we did stunts and everything, we never like used the movie as an excuse to do a stunt. We, we, we always did a deep dive into the movie, into the mm. nitty gritty of that particular movie. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted it to be actual, real criticism, just done in a fun, entertaining, humorous way. And so, so that that's what may that's pretty much distinguished me from everybody else, <laughs> because you know Gilbert Gottfried was a host. He was on um, uh, USA Today. I couldn't even tell if Gilbert ever even watched the movies. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't really that. tell from the from the material they were doing, you know, at the at the commercial breaks. So, um, uh, so there's the two styles, you know. There's the one where you're just kind of window dressing around the movie um, uh, to, you know, you're sort of like comic relief for the movie. And then there's the other one where you're trying to, you know, where you're a real uh, uh, advocate for the movie. So I, I always tried to be an advocate for the movie, even if it was a bad movie. Um, and and we, we wouldn't mince words about that. You know, we would say we're going into the toilet tonight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> But we would, you know, we would find, um, we showed, you know, what I think is many people have nominated various films for worst film in history. And my nominee was The Howling 7, which somehow <laughs> the, the, killed the Howling franchise. But somehow we ended up with the rights to that movie. And uh, so we showed that and it was so bad and it was so, it was so um, weirdly bad, bad in weird way. <laughs> Not a fun way. I'm intrigued. <laughs> that that, um, uh, that you know, it was just like it was watching a train wreck, and there were all these questions. You know, like every scene you would watch, you would be questions: Where did that guy come from? What is he doing? Why why are they doing this spectral line dancing in the middle of this movie? Why is there <laughs> who, uh, who's this country who's the country singer that suddenly suddenly does a song? <laughs> uh, where does this old footage come from? And the answer was the Howling three, four, five, and six. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, you know uh, why do they keep calling the uh, detective, the inspector, you know, it sounds like it's, you know, when it's an American movie, it turns out the director was this biker guy from Australia. <laughs> and, so, awesome. and so he thought you're supposed to call it the inspector, you know? <laughs> uh, and so, um, uh, and then people that were, so we, anyway, we ran it, we showed it on, 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 on one week and we got this incredible amount of mail. What was that? You know, <laughs> so we decided to show it again. And we invited the people who were in the movie who lived in this little town where they shot it, Pioneer Town, California. It was one of those old B-movie Western towns. Mm -hmm. And then it was abandoned when B-movie Westerns went away and bikers moved in and just took over the fake buildings. And and so it, it had become this sort of lawless uh town and they shot this movie there and so we said if you were in the movie you know write in and tell us you know what it was like and so people started <laughs> so there was this guy who just sits at the bar the whole movie do <laughs> sits at the bar, named brock big beefy guy brock with a with a burr haircut and um Brock started writing in, you know, saying, oh, yeah, it was great. Awesome. We loved it. And so, so the fans started, like, uh, saying, have Brock on the show. Have Brock on the show. <laughs> we never did. I, I don't know if we, we couldn't find him or he didn't want to be on the show or whatever. But, but uh, 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 things like that, you know, even when we were showing, like, the worst movie ever made, we were trying to be advocates for the movie is my point. Mm, absolutely. I think that's awesome. Do you have any other favorite like moments from the show? Um, my, my favorite <laughs> bit that I did, my favorite uh, movie that I hosted 
And I'm, I'm gratified to see that, that somebody put it up on YouTube and it has a lot of, uh, of views, is uh, uh, The Warriors. Oh, yeah. And we showed it more than once. Um, and my idea was, uh, first of all, m- many people don't know, <laughs> I shouldn't go into this. I don't know how deep you want to go into this. It, <laughs> We're ready. It's based on a on a book by the Greek historian Xenophon about the uh, uh, Greek warriors who got trapped in where modern day Baghdad is, uh, and they had to fight their way back to Greece. They went all the way up to the uh, 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 Black Sea, and then over, over to Greece. And so the whole book is about they're fighting their way back. And so the, the, the Warriors is about a gang from Coney Island. They go to a big gang meeting in the North Bronx, and then they have to fight their way back through every gang in New York all the way from the North Bronx to Coney Island. And for some reason, they don't have 20 bucks, and so they take the subways <laughs> to, to go all the way from the North Bronx. Yeah, no. <laughs> to Coney Island. And so um, so we got a 1982 New York City subway map, and and I tracked them, you know, all throughout the movie, saying, you know, they should have got on, look, you know, they would have been home free if they got on the six train, but what did they do? They got on the three train, so now they're going to end up on the west side. You know, it's like, it's like the... Um, they they got out at uh, Riverside Park, and they were attacked by this gang that was direct that was dressed in New York Yankees uniforms. And I said, well, well what gang, you know, wears New York Yankees uniforms? <laughs> Plus, they're in Riverside Park. It's like, what 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 is this? A gang of bond traders? What are they? What, what? So so, uh, so anyway, we did this whole thing with the subway map. You know, here they are. They're exactly right here. They're trying to get to Union Square so they can meet up with the two guys that got lost back when they were on the, you know, when they were crossing Central Park and blah, blah, blah. And um, so uh, everyone, um, the gratifying thing about it was the New Yorkers (laughs) said, you know what? You're exactly right. I was following that too. I was I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> and they also could have got on the two train because you know, like, you, say you, get, you get subway advice from people. You know, yeah. subway <laughs> the warriors, and so um, uh, um, uh, that, that actor, the lead warrior, uh, Michael Beck. Uh, I was always trying to find him to get him on the show. Um, Michael Beck, that's kind of all that he's known for. He was made, he made other movies. Um, uh, Megaforce. Have <laughs> you might have seen Megaforce? No, uh, I haven't even heard of uh, that. <laughs> 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 um, but, oh, oh, he, oh, I know what killed his career. I know what killed his career. He was in Xanadu. Oh, Xanadu. It was the <laughs> Olivia Newton-John musical. And he was, <laughs> he was male lead in Xanadu. It was over. You know, he should have stuck with the, uh, with, you know, he, he, he like had that cool vest and everything in the Warriors and then he makes up make Xanadu. You know, he should have killed. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, no, Michael Beck had, um, had been a, uh, um, my favorite fa- fact about Michael Beck is he was a football star at Millsaps College in, in Jackson, Mississippi. I've, I've, I've spoken at Millsaps College. There's probably 800 students at Millsaps College, you know, if that. You know. And it's like the fact that they even have a football team is an incredible thing, you know. Right. And Mike Beck had been their quarterback, and I was like, boy, that would be the only cool thing about going to Millsaps College. Is like, is <laughs> Michael yeah. Beck was our star. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, kind of related to that. Um, so the show started on the movie channel, and it was there for 10 years, and then it went over to TNT. Um, 
concerning the actual material, you, you know, did you have a say in the movies that were picked out? Um, and then from there, you know, did you help with the scripts or did someone just hand it to you? I'm, I'm sure the movie channel had a little bit more freedom since it was like a pay channel than TNT did. But like, what was, yeah, what was although, that like? I, although I've never worked at any place that didn't have some kind of censorship rules. Of course. And like at, at the movie channel, the, there were certain movies that they, they were on the too grisly for cable list and could never be shown, even though it was a pay service, even though they had no restrictions. Um, and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was one of those movies. Um, and I Spit on Your Grave was on that list. Uh, Demons, you know that movie? Demons, yeah. yes. the mm-hmm. Lumberto Bava movie. Uh, that was on the list. Um, and so um, at the movie channel, they hi- they originally hired me to host stuff that was basically unwatchable, that they had bought at some film market in Europe. Mm. And I mean, you probably, I may be the only person who remembers the vanished genre called the West German sex comedy. <laughs> it's like, first of all, yeah. first of all, the giveaway is it's West German. There was no East German sex comedy. <laughs> but, but there was, there was an East Germany. So you had to specify West Germany, West German sex comedy. Well, first of all, you don't really want to watch any European sex comedy, but you especially don't want to watch the Germans. In a sex <laughs> and but we had this one title, this one West German sex comedy called "She's Nineteen and Ready," oh, and <laughs> she, was, she was forty if she was a day, and she and you didn't really want her to be ready, but. Uh, <laughs> But the, but no matter how many times we showed that, it always got this huge rating. And I was like, "We're showing she's nineteen and ready again." And it's like, "Yeah, it's this big number. Every time we show it, it gets this big number." And I said, "That's because people are watching the first ten minutes of it because they think she's nineteen and ready. And then when they figure out she's not nineteen and ready, they never watch our network again." You know. Yeah, so, so it's like stop doing this you know this is stupid um so so no i didn't have i i didn't have any control over what we showed at the movie channel um they would funnel stuff my way you know because they knew i would like it um at at tnt uh ted turner had been the first big pioneer in terms of buying uh, movie libraries. So he bought in 1982. He bought the entire MGM library, and then he bought other libraries. So they had all this fabulous stuff. And once a year, they would give me a huge list of movies, and I would go through it and I would say, "I want this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one." And they would hardly ever <laughs> give me <laughs> movies that I want. And the reasons were that's black and white. We can't show black and white, mm-hmm. or uh, it's too old. It's either it's too old or it's black and white. For example, we had Todd Browning's movies. We had Freaks, you know. I said, surely we can show that. And they were like, yeah. It's like, it's made in the 30s, black and white. You know, people are going to surf out. <laughs> that's that's the great fear of uh, the network executive, surfing out, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh that's why the three-minute credit roll at the end of a movie, they managed to roll it by in five seconds. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so that you won't surf out. Um, and so um, they had these rules, and I could never really um, overcome the rules. Now, we, we sh- um, one year we showed Alien, and because we were showing Alien, they allowed me to show it the terror from beyond space, which is a black and white sci-fi movie from 1958, because alien is an exact plot ripoff of it. The terror from beyond space from 1958, which we proved, by, by oh, showing, wow. <laughs> which we proved by showing the movies back to back. And it was like, shame on you, Ridley Scott. You know, <laughs> didn't even put anything in the credit crawl saying, uh, saying, mm-hmm. you know, taken from it, the terror from beyond space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, 
so we we could do things like that where we had it where we had some kind of tie-in or we had a guest you know who was in that movie um um i think uh um we well the birds is in color but um occasionally we would have a guest who would who who uh, went back to the oh I, I think Forbidden Planet is in black and white, and we had we had Anne Francis on, and so you know so we could show the black and white that night. Oh, that's cool. Uh, let's see. Well, this week is a big week in the world of Joe Bob, and because Shutter is releasing the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs, um, how did this finally come about, and uh, how has the reception been so far? Well, um, oh, well, the, the, uh, man, I'm getting a lot of love online. I don't know if that means people are going to show up or not, but... but uh, I will. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> Stephen King tweeted tweeted me, you know? I saw uh, that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, so uh, yeah, the, the, uh, the people who say they're going to show up, but there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. oh, I, <laughs> I hope they do show up. Um, I, I'm, t- I'm totally surprised by the whole thing because, um, I mean, I, I haven't been on the air since 2001 and the, every year since 2001, somebody comes to me and says, Hey, you want to do another show? And I always say, yeah, I mean, somebody <laughs> at a network or a producer or somebody who wants to set it up somewhere, you know, and I always say, yeah, sure. And nothing ever happens, you know? And so I never expect anything to happen. And so, uh, when yet another, uh, thing like that happened last year, you know, I said, sure, set it up, you know, and within a few weeks, this shutter executive shows up and he really wants to do it. He's really into it. And I said, why are you so into it? And he said, well, when I was a kid, I loved monsters. And I was like, Oh, I had to wait till the kids grew up and became network executives. There you go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's the ticket. Yeah. <laughs> so and so um, so anyway, um, uh, started saying, "What do you want to do?" And I said, "Well, if we're going to do it, I said, you know, it's it's going to be a nostalgia thing because people aren't. There have been people. A lot of the horror fans have been born since I was on the air." So they're not going to even know what this is. and the, But they kept saying, no, no, no. We want the exact same thing. We want the Monster Vision format. And I and I said, uh, you want to, everything, you know, the rants and the drive-in totals and the mail girl and, the, and all that stuff? And they said, yeah. And I said, and do you want it to be as, like, on the edge as, as it was in the they said, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> say anything. Well, that turned out not to be true. <laughs> <laughs> Famous last word. <laughs> That's never true. They always say that. They always say, yeah, yeah, do anything, do anything. And then it's like, oh, oh, mm, Joe Bob, you know, mm, this thing here, you know, in the times we live in, you know, <laughs> you, you know you're in trouble when they say, in these times we live in. <laughs> right, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and in fact, it's, it's weird because when I, when I first started out, they would always say, Joe Bob, this material really offends the older people. And now when they're going to censor me, they say, Joe Bob, this material really offends the younger people. <laughs> and I'm like, when do I get to be offended? You know, right. I, 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 you're taking away my old fart privileges. Exactly. You know? Yes. <laughs> get off the lawn. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, so anyway, I said, you know, well, if we're going to do it, you know, um, this is probably the last time I'll do it. So let's just do a, you know, a big marathon. I wanted to do a whole weekend. And I said, give me Labor Day weekend. You know, we'll do three days. We'll just go and go and go. <laughs> and we scaled that back to 24 hours. It's actually going to be like 26 or 27 hours because I talk too much. And um, because we were trying to squeeze in 13 movies, you know, Friday the 13th, 13th. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but it has everything that I always did. You know, it's like, uh, uh, like one of the movies were shown in Sleepaway Camp. Mm-hmm. And, 
Yeah. I'm just trying to do a rant that goes with the theme of the movie. And so, um, and so Sleepaway Camp is about gender confusion, not just the Felissa Rose character, but everybody in the movie. <laughs> you know, there's, yeah. There's files in the movie, there's perverts everywhere in the movie. Mm-hmm. There's like uh, all kinds of inappropriate relationships in the movie. You know? <laughs> yeah. So massive gender confusion. That's what it's about. So I said, well, I'm going to do this rant about um, um, uh, transgender bathrooms. Transgender bathrooms. And <laughs> it's like, ooh, Joe Bob, really, you, know, you really want to go there? I'm going to go there in my own way, you know, but yeah, I'm right. going to do that. So uh, we'll see how much of it is left in, but (laughs) (laughs) so I I did this whole thing about the state of North Carolina. I based it all around North Carolina and and how crazy that governor was. (laughs) You know, because it's sitting there, you know, he's saying, well, we're protecting our moral values. And meanwhile, (laughs) meanwhile, Billions of dollars are pouring out of the state. He's sitting there in his office watching 18 wheelers full of hundred dollar bills just go up I 40 West, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. Just, he just would not give in. He just would not give yes. in. And so uh, I just kind of approached it that way. That's yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, we're super excited about it and can't wait. Um, but once all this madness dies down, do you have any other projects? we should be looking out for or anything that um, works? Well, um, I do a live show. Uh, I've never done it in Nashville, come to think of it. Um, but I, I do a live show called uh, How Rednecks Saved Hollywood. And it's it has about 250 clips and stills in it. And it's sort of the whole history of the redneck. I identify the very first redneck who came to America. <laughs> <laughs> and where nice. he lived and where he went and all the all the other rednecks that came <laughs> after him and what they did and you know what pisses them off and um show i have a lot of maps and stuff show where you know how, how, they over, how they took over the country but i tell it all through the movies through various you know scenes from the movies mm-hmm. and um originally i would just do it in the south um you know it's sort of as a uh, you know, sort of, sort of as like knocking people in the head. This is you. This is your heritage. You know, yes, this, yes, yes. This is where you come from. I you know, that. <laughs> and then, and then, um, and then uh, this guy, this the 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 art the art theater in Boston. I mean, just right down the road from Harvard. Guy asked me to do it there, and I'm like, do you know? Do you know what the show is about? I said, <laughs> You know, I, I I normally only do this show in in cities that love their Confederate monuments. You know, so, <laughs> you know, so so I don't know. You know, and he says, no, 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 they'll they'll love it, they'll love it. And so I did it at that theater, and every redneck in Boston turned out. I mean, you know, both of them, and uh, <laughs> and. Um, and uh, and and it went over well. So since then, I, I, I now do it. You know, I, I rewrite it just a little bit. You know, so that because mm-hmm. um, because when I was first doing it, it was like I, I would look out at the faces, and it was like a Merle Haggard concert. <laughs> <laughs> and so and so now I do it, and you know, so we have a mixed audience, and so I. Do a little bit of a prefatory thing to say if, if you were if you did if you were not born and raised in the South or Appalachia or or the Ohio River Valley or one of those uh, Western towns that are ninety eight percent white, uh, then you may not get this. <laughs> you know? right. But I'm going to give you the background, you know, so yeah. so you, so you can sort of understand it, you know. So anyway, uh, that's what I love to do. I love that live show. Uh, if you know if you know somebody in Nashville that would book it, that would be great. And yeah. um, and um, I'm uh, I would like to produce some uh, uh, low budget movies myself. Um, 
you know, uh, Roger, my mentor, Roger Corman, my mentor, mm -hmm. he's uh, 92, you know, so yeah. I don't know how many, he, although he just produced, he just produced some Chinese movie. I, I just saw, I just saw it. IMDb, there was some horror, Chinese horror anthology <laughs> produced by Roger Corman. You know, it's like, he never stops. Awesome. He never stops. <laughs> I used to introduce him by saying, you know, he's made, he, made, he made 700 movies and only one of them lost money. Mm. And the movie that lost money was called The Intruder, uh, starring William Shatner in 1962. And it was a movie, movie about racism in the South and shot at a little town in Missouri. And in the year 2012, whoever currently owns the rights to... The Intruder made a uh, digital sale to England, and the movie went into the black <laughs> after <Wow>. fifty <laughs> after fifty years. And so now we can no longer say he only had one movie that uh, lost money. But um, uh, but that's why Roger always put the social uh, social message in the subtext, and that's why he made so much sci-fi because it lends itself to. Um, subtextual meaning you know so yeah. um so anyway I mean, anyway i would like to um um i go to a lot here's the here's here's the reason i go to a lot of uh, indie film festivals um where the, all the guys are complaining i made this movie for five dollars whatever they spent on and i can't get any distribution on it can't get any distribution why do you think you can't get a distribution? Well, we didn't have enough money, you know. We blah, blah, blah. and then say, okay, show me the movie. Watch the movie. Say, well, I understand why you didn't get distribution, but the reason you didn't get distribution doesn't have anything to do with the money. <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> yeah. all the things with this film are, are don't have anything to do with money. Your production mm -hmm. values are just fine, you know, because the technology <laughs> for making movies got really, really cheap. Anybody can afford the technology to actually shoot the movie, sure. and, and at, a, at a very high quality level. But uh -huh. they stop going to film school. They don't, they don't like, they, they don't work on the script. They don't work on the art direction. They don't work on the basics, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, and so I said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to produce some of these myself because these are talented guys who are trying to be writer, director, cinematographer, editors. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, pick one, dude. <laughs> you know? Right, yeah. yeah. How many guys have been able to do all four of those things? Mm -hmm. Five, you know, and one of them's Orson Welles, and nobody liked him. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so you can't do that. You just can't do that. You can't be a writer, director, editor. That's not going to work, you know? Yeah. So I thought, well, I'm going to produce movies, use some of these talented young people produce them at a really low budget level and see if we can't like put people into their right jobs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's awesome. That's Super cool. Yeah. That's such a great idea. Great way to build like young talent and get people moving in the right direction for sure. Yeah. And the other thing they do is they hire their friends as actors. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Your friends do, may not be good. <laughs> Do you have a college, a junior college in your town? Do they have a drama department? Yeah. You know, it's like right. there are actors amongst you. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, well, if we can figure out a some way to get you to Nashville, we'll let you know. I, I bet you, I'd be surprised if Vanderbilt wouldn't host a night with you, you know, let you come do your show. And um, I, I would consider you one of the you know, more famous. Oh alumni boy, I don't know. I'm, I, I, I may be an embarrassment. To <laughs> <laughs> I was not exactly, the, you know, a poster boy for the Vanderbilt, you know, uh, philosophy. But um, uh, you know that I mentioned that scholarship earlier. The guy who won it the year before me is. Um, uh, Skip Bayless. Do you know who Skip Bayless yeah. is? Yeah. Wow. He's a sports uh, commentator. He's he's kind of the sport. He's kind of the sports commentator that 
everyone loves to hate. And, <laughs> and, uh, um, we were, we, we were, we ran the sports department together at the, uh, Vanderbilt Hustler, the, the student newspaper. And, um, they they have had skip back for for various things there, <laughs> so I guess I guess uh, I guess they're okay with sports. Uh, so I I don't know, but um, what I would rather do though is like find a good theater. Like I recently did it at the Texas Theater in Dallas, for example. That was perfect. It was like about seven hundred seats and. Uh, crowd was great. The venue was great, and that's the theater where they arrested Lee Harvey Oswald. So that oh, so oh. it also is creepy. Oh. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, um, we won't keep you very much longer. We we know you've you're just slammed heading into this Friday, um, and. Um, I mean, we well, do a favor we, and show up for the show up for the uh, uh, event, and um, uh, some of the they only they only allowed me to talk about three of the movies, which is Sleepaway Camp, uh, Tourist Trap, which has always been a great favorite of mine, underrated, seriously underrated movie, and um, uh, Basket Case. And so, um, Basket Case is obviously uh, a classic cult movie, and I've been friends with Frank Hannenlotter ever since it came out. We, we were—I was involved in the release of it, actually. But anyway, the the um, um, uh, they won't let me give out the titles of the of the thirteen movies, but a lot of the stuff is on. <laughs> A lot of the really good stuff is on at Weird Hours, so um, <laughs> encourage people to uh, <laughs> encourage people to hang in there yeah. um, uh, beyond the first three movies because uh, it gets it gets, starts getting really really interesting, and then it gets really really interesting near the end as well. So awesome! Uh, so on Saturday night, it's uh, there's some good stuff. Nice. I'll uh, I'll be traveling, but I'll be I'll be watching on my iPad. So I'm I'm excited. So <laughs> yeah, we're, we are so excited, just just so thrilled for you and for us too. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, thanks, guys. And after it's over, tell me how how it went. So <laughs> we, will. Yeah. we will. And if we can figure out a way to get you to Nashville, we'll keep you posted. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, love to, we'd love to see you in person. Okay, I'd, I would I would love to go back to Nashville and do that. That would be a lot of fun. We'll, we'll start putting our brains together and see what we can come up with. Yeah. Okay. All right, well, we are signing off with Joe Bob. Appreciate it. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks Joe Bob. All right. Bye.